Okay, how's everybody doing? My name is Omar J. De Jesus, and I am the host of Second Chance, Voices of the Unheard. My podcast talks about the second chance people received after doing time in an institution, innocent or guilty, while changing a poisonous narrative of prisoners' perception. For the most part, people returning to society are outcasted. So my job is to give people an opportunity and a platform to tell their stories. Everybody deserves a second chance. So we're, today we have someone special, my brother in Christ. Uh, his name is Andy Lopez. Uh, I'm going to let him introduce himself and uh, give a brief synopsis of who he is. And uh, and you're definitely going to enjoy his story. He's an amazing person and I, and I love the dude. So uh, just give it up for him. Uh, thank you all. And first of all, man, I just want to congratulate you for making a platform where we could speak our story and not speak only about the negative things we did in life, but Amen. the process and the change that we went through. It's a platform that opened up and only a person that been through the same thing could have opened it up. So I just want to tell you thank you before I even introduce myself to the people. Um, my name is Andy Lopez. Um, I'm first generation American. My parents are Dominican. I was born in the Lower East Side. Um, my parents moved out to Queens when I was 12 years old. And basically what I could tell you is when I started going to school is where I learned that I was poor, that I was black, that I was different. I learned all that from school. And we know that's the beginning of the prison life. That was the beginning of me going into these things that weren't right. So with that, um, I also would say that I never felt that I belonged anywhere because I wasn't enough of something. I wasn't Dominican enough for being born in the United States. I was born in an area where there was a lot of Puerto Rican. I wasn't Puerto Rican enough because um, I was from a different island. I wasn't white enough and I wasn't black enough. So I was never enough to fill into one group. So it's almost like I had to make my own group. Wow, that's dope, man. Yo, you know, that's amazing uh, because, you know, some of us start off in life a little rough and stuff. You know, uh, I've been through the similar situations that you. That's why I can see and relate. And have, the majority of stuff that you speak on is like it's all facts and truth and, and, I reson- and it re- resonates well with me. So I want to I, I want to talk a little bit about you, Andy. Like when you was growing up, like you, you had you had brothers, you had sisters. How many of, of you guys were 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 they? Um, so I have um, five brothers that I grew up with that have the same mom. I got three other brothers that my father had with different women. But these are my five brothers that I grew up with. But I was mm. the first American. Mm. My three older brothers were born in the Dominican Republic. And they came here when they were older. And then my two younger brothers, they were born after me. One was born a year and 41 days after me. The other one was born five years. Wow. Wow. You got any sisters? We didn't have no sister. My mom said she had so many boys yeah. looking for that girl. <laughs> and the blessing and the funny thing is that she got some now as granddaughters. God bless her. God now, bless her, man. <laughs> out of her six grandkids, um, four of them are girls. Wow. So she got the girls that she wanted. <laughs> so, yeah. so growing up, what what kind of things you, were you into? Like, what kind of sports you played? What kind of like things you did? Like to pass time as you was growing up as a young man. When I was growing up, I was a I was one of those kids that was in my head all the time. I was one of those kids that would imagine places and stuff like that. 
if my brain could have been put into like movies, it would have been like Harry Potter, um, <laughs> Walt Disney, and all those things. I was always in my head, and I was the quiet kid. I was the kid that would not speak. And if you meet me now, you will never notice that because wow. I can't keep my mouth closed. But I was the kid that would not speak. That was always shy. I'll go to places I could be hungry, and I would not eat. So I was that kid, but to fit in we lose part of ourselves. So it was like I had a loose part of myself because me talking about the things that went through my head would have labeled me crazy, would have labeled me a weirdo. Mm -hmm. And at that age, all you want to really do is fit into the people around because you want to be accepted by your peers. That's a fact. That's a fact. And you know what, bro? I ain't going to lie to you. Like I said, man, I can relate to you because I was just like that too. Trying to be within crowd, you do stuff to make them feel like, you know, you're a part of it. In all reality, you just digging yourself a bigger hole, man. Because at the end of the day, people don't really care for you. The only people that really do care for you are certain people in your life that's not blood-related in your family. Because at the end of the day, even some family don't even care. You know, and that's bad. But, you know, in reality, that's 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 life in our neighborhoods and stuff, you know. It's it's not always going to be. Any, and not even in, in our neighborhoods, it's just reality, you know, and stuff. So what, what what did you struggle with when you was when you when you was young? I I used to struggle with self doubt. So like I used to, I, you know, I'm very smart and I know that. But sometimes I doubt myself. Like damn, I can't do it. And you know that defeats the purpose. So what did you struggle when you was growing up? And how how did you learn how to deal with it? Um, I struggle with, and I struggle with being who I wanted. I struggle with showing what the things that I like because other people did not like it. So. Basically, it was like I struggle with not my identity, I won't say, but I struggle with showing who I was because afraid how I was going to be judged. And it was also I struggle with being nice to people because my neighborhood, you had to be tough. Yeah, so there were things I did not want to do that I was forced to do just to fit in. Or not to be taken advantage because you said it in one of your podcasts. It's like um, you you could be the prey or become the one that preys on. And I didn't want to be the prey because I see how it ended up for them. That's and then I had to be the pressure of my brothers. They came to this country. They didn't speak no English. They was bullied. They didn't know the language. So it was like they started acting up and it was like I was it fell on me because now if they started a rap I had to follow it right behind that's the them. fact you know because yeah because that's you know how they go in our, in our neighborhoods <laughs> word that's that's how it is in our neighborhood man unfortunately I got bullied too man and it just wasn't a good experience a good feeling that you know it, it mentally it messed me up a little bit you know what I'm saying like it gave me a chip on my shoulder because I'm like I'm tired of getting bullied you know what I'm saying so like I, I had to like you said you had to be tough and they in the neighborhoods like like the ones we grew up in because if you didn't you become the prey and and you know when you living in that reality no one wants to be the prey you'd rather be the person to prey on than be the one that be prayed you know what I'm saying so like that that that's the reality of of our society you know what I'm saying but you know so so I'm just I'm just curious what landed you in prison well my first I did two bit. My first bit, I was young, 16, and one of my friends said, yo, I need help. I need money. I had lent him some money. He said he wanted to pay me back. Let's do a robbery. We end up doing the robbery. 
to a guy that was selling drugs. Okay. And this same guy that was selling drugs all day, supposed to make all this money after we robbed him, decides to call police on us. That's how I beat you. <laughs> so I end up going to prison with a one or third or four. At that time, I already was gang banging. And my gang was a small gang. It wasn't one of those big gang, no gang. But most of the time, I already, you know, we was already brought up with the mentality about how prison was going to be. So I already had an idea of prison. And I went in there and said prison was not going to change who I was. And I was going to be who I was. And also, um, I was going to rep my gang. So out of that one or third or four, where I could have done 16 months, I did the whole four years. Okay. Wow. You got like, you got, you got like in trouble while you was in Oh, yeah, I got into fights. I became a, a better drug dealer in there because being part of the gang that I was, I had people bring me drugs. I had people do stuff. And in there, I started selling drugs. So I got around with people that were um, basically doing this for years. So I started learning and I started playing in a field that was a little bit smaller and more close with more cops. So if I could move in there and get away with it or knew the consequences, how the law, certain things, I wasn't going to get away with it because they were going to put stuff on me. But it just changed my mind. And even though I got connected to God there and I came home Amen. and I wanted to when I came home, all the kids that I had left that were like 10, now were 17, 18. And for me repping my gang in jail and doing the whole time, because every time I was supposed to come home, I will lose my date during that time. I got the label of OG. So now I become only 23 years old. I was in there from 18 to 22. And now I become a leader of my whole game. I didn't even know how to lead myself. I didn't know how to put my life together. And, I, and mentally, because I left for those four years, I was still 18 because I left at 18. Yeah. So now these kids are 17 and they throwing little parties and I'm around them and I'm still in that mindset even though I was older. That's a fact. Wow. So that led to my second prison bit where one of my friends, he had joined the rival gang, but we were childhood friends and best friends. And then our gang, there was a neutral area in my neighborhood where all the gangs get together. And when they had argument, they tried to handle it. One night, the younger guys under me were arguing with the older guys. And I went over there and I called them out and they didn't want to fight me. They would say, you know, it's these young guys. They don't let us get money. They're making the block out. They're always fighting, stabbing people. We want to show them a lesson. So I was like, yo, they too young for y'all. Y'all used to bully me. Y'all not going to bully them. That's one thing I'm not going to accept. And they were like, so bring it to the gun. One of the young kids pulled out the gun. He didn't use it. As me being OG, I took it from him and said, you never pull out, don't use it. While I was on the street in the air, uh, one of my best, my childhood friend tried to take it away from me. It went off and it took his life. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's a rough one right there, man. Yeah, and I was able to prove when I went to trial that the DA was holding evidence and everything. I was able to prove that I didn't kill my friend, but they gave me um, 15 years for a gun that they never had. But because I wrote a statement about my friend trying to take it away from me, I was sentenced to 15 years for a gun, the max. Yeah, that's what they do, man, when they don't get you for the, for the thing. Yeah, man. 
Wow, so you was looking at 15 because of the gun that they never had, but only because you said that. Wow, that's amazing. That You know, the law is fucked up, but, you know, at the and end of the day. I only got the 15 because the judge, after I went to trial, I had a mistrial because the DA was holding the evidence that my friend was drunk and that, the, that they found a shell with his DNA on it that came from the pistol, the same shell that came out of the um, sort of shotgun had his DNA so this showed that he had it in his hand and everything so this could have had proof that it was all an accident but the DA kept it so they had my lawyer had to call a mistrial for this and then that's when the judge came in and gave me the and offered me the 15 years and said we could sentence you and we'll sentence you where you don't have where we you don't have to you will not be guilty of killing your friend but we would just find you guilty of the gun going off and before that, the lowest offers that I got was 18 to life. Wow. Yeah, wow. That's that's a hard choice to make, man, because you know that's that's a lot of time, man. I, and that's that's crazy, man. So so what 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 were your negative experiences during prison when you got sentenced? You got sent what you went to downstate and uh, you know, where else? Like what was those experiences like for you during prison? I mean, I had a couple of negative experiences when it came to Rikers Island, you know, fighting with CEOs. I was already, I already remember I had a first bid and my first bid, I went to the adolescence. So if anybody knows the adolescence in the late 90s and 2000s, it was gladiator school. It was getting us ready for up north. So, you know, you go into people going to ask you, are you going to give up your sneakers? You're going to give this. And, you know, and it was time to, to fight. And I'm from Queens. So Queens, when you say you were from Queens, all they'll say was Queens. Because Queens was known as the suburbs. And it was supposed to be one of the softest boroughs. So it wasn't like there was 100 people from my neighborhood. And if they was, they was hiding. They was repping another neighborhood. So it was like, I had to make a name, not only for myself, but for my neighborhood. It was like, you're going to rep and... It was fighting all day and stuff like that. Until after, you know, you start getting your respect, people. But you start becoming those same people. It's so easy at first. The people that you're fighting, you become. That's a fact. We see that too often down on Rikers Island. Um, and I I don't want to go into my experiences. I'll be here a week. I've fought for two years against Bloods on Rikers Island because they didn't like me at all. So I know how, how it is. So... It just, I, I didn't enjoy it, but I like, like you, I'm not letting no one just gonna hurt me, you know, and just try to do whatever they want with me. <laughs> but, you know, it's really serious on Rikers Island. I could imagine how Rikers Island is right now with the shortage of the offices and the crisis of people. You know, I was looking at this interview the other day with Rikers Island, how someone took sheets and put it on fire, then they recorded it and put it on IG. And they was burning the cell because there's no heat. They ain't getting no food. They ain't really getting no water, nothing, no showers. It's, it's really bad on Rikers Island. They should have been closed Rikers Island years ago, but, you know, they don't listen. There's a lot of nonsense going on on Rikers Island. What what violent acts did you see in prison? Like, you know, me personally, I seen police on, in Clinton when I went upstate New York, killed three of my friends. And that 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 kind of like hurt me too because I'm like these are three people that you you, you knew and you like damn good people and then you know the police they killing people and I'm like I looked at this like you know this shit is just horrible this was another reason why I didn't want to come back to prison because I don't want to go through that ever 
none of them experiences with with that that whole prisoner versus police mentality it just it wasn't good it wasn't a good feeling for me so that's why i try to stay focused you know i mean i experienced things with the officers as a young kid you know um one time um when i was in the adolescent i had cigars from that i had got from my brother that was in the adults and the sergeant wanted me to give him up and i didn't want to give him up and i said i didn't have nothing bro he just started this man was 63 i don't know if you ever heard sergeant kelly he was 63 and bro he beat me until i was bloody and i didn't get medical attention i got sent to the why me pit and there, that's when my brother used to work in reception because he was sentenced and gave me food. I was left in the white meat pen for two days before I was sent back to my thing, to my um, swelling went down from the beating that he gave me just because I had got cigarettes. Or he didn't even know I had cigarettes. He assumed I had something on me and just beat me up for that. I seen how officers were the one controlling the house. You know, they blame us kids but this was a culture that was built and was supported by the officers. You understand? Uh, make them sit down, control the day room. We're gonna take the TV away from you. We're not, and let them um, give the people that weren't supposed to be part of the inner group not get breakfast. Or if they do get breakfast, they only get the bread and jelly. So I seen that. I seen up north when I went to Washington, um, I was going into the ASAC program the day before I went to the ASAC program because I had words with one officer at one time. He grabbed three metal bars and threw them under my lock and they set me up and sent me to the box. So I seen the things where um, they abuse their power and, and the law. And it's also, like I told you, a culture. It's a culture when they tell the for that and basically make it like it's us against them. Definitely. And that's a problem. And this is why they need to shut down a lot of these prisons because that's the that's the mentality. And that's dangerous because you're supposed to help people change while they incarcerated, right? Whether you you know, you got programs that's lucrative and they gonna help, or you work on yourself. But how can you work on yourself if you gotta go through all this extra stuff in prison with everything else? So, you know, that's a problem. So, with that being said, you understood that that mentality it was a very dangerous mentality. What type of people you hung around in prison like? Were they like positive uh, individuals? I know you was doing NYU. You were doing school for a minute, which was a, a beautiful thing. Uh, and you know, um, I know you was around prison ministry. You you did you did the church, which was a beautiful thing. Also, you did a puppies behind bars. Like you did a lot of good stuff while you was in prison. Like. You know, talk a little bit about that. Um, so I started, I ended up going to Attica and I got in, in contact with an older guy. And he he was still living the life, but he had 35 to life, you know. And he was reaching out and trying to do good in there. So he gave me advice. Mm -hmm. Then I started seeing the older guys that were being there. But what changed me was that my friend's mom said, when I got sentenced, that she forgave me, not because she didn't believe I killed her son, but because she was a Christian, that's what Christ told her. So that was when I made the decision that the only one I was gonna answer was to Christ. Amen. And 
I went up north. Um, I was supposed to be basically getting the OG position in prison for my gang because my OG was going home. When I seen him, I told him, listen, I can't serve to master. You know, yeah, always going to be family. This is always going to be part of me, but I can't follow you and follow Jesus. And I choose to follow Jesus. And luckily, I was part of a group that basically respect people believe. And that was my way out. But, you know, I still had my battles. I still had to battle my anger. I still had to battle those insecurity and change my way of thinking where my reaction to anything that offended me was to fight back. So I started getting involved in programs. Like I got involved in Puppy Behind Bar. That program changed my life because basically those dogs taught me how to listen to my emotions, taught me how to feel was something I would have never learned from human. Then I started learning how to read people's body language between them. Um, I ended up in War Kill and I seen you. I seen you in the programs involved in Defy and and NYU. And you did encourage me and you was always a person that encouraged people. So I decided to join these things and I didn't thought I was gonna make it. But I wrote the essay, I made it and See, this is why they took the college out of prison, because they know that the only way we could get free and truly become different people is when we become educated. Amen. And and I struggled through NYU, and there was time I'll be in the lab, and there will be guys that walk into the lab and write a paper in five minutes and get an A. I would struggle, and I had to ask for help. And the only person that stepped out because we didn't have tutors, I got to say, Omar, it was you. You know, you sat down with me in the lab, even though you had your own work to do, sit down hours with me and help me how to express myself because it was difficult for me being dyslectic and not being tested for it. I didn't have no proof of it, but I learned it at an older age that I had a learning disability, but you would sit down and help me put my idea. So people like you, people that were encouraged and doing things that I could have conversation about the choices that we made and how some of the choices that we made, even though we take responsibility of making them, were already set up for us to make in the life that we was living. So it was a choice like how you said being earlier, being the prey or becoming the, the hunter. So it was choices that we had in May. And you know, most of the guys that make it out of our neighborhood, they were always secluded. They only had a couple of friends. So they were the real one. And they never felt like they were part of the neighborhood. You understand? So they were going to other places that they were still not accepted. That's why I look up to those guys. And that's what had me to start changing. Um, I became part of NYU, became part of the five and these people and having contact with people that really care because the programs that changed me weren't the programs that were mandatory by DOC, but it was the program where people went voluntary and did, and did these things out of their heart. Maybe there was a way that was getting money, but in the end, these people truly put their heart and their volunteers that were in it. So those were the things that changed me and knowing how being able to see that because of my skin color, I was already labeled as I was different. Hmm. Wow. 
that's amazing, man. I ain't gonna lie. If you think, sit back and think about it, man. Yeah, we've been through some things, man. <laughs> wow. And, and we out and we blessed, you know. We we working slowly but surely in strides to get where we need to be, putting God first and everything will fall in place, man. So what, what are you really grateful for after you release? I was, I, when I was released, I was grateful just to be out. Mm. I was grateful to be able to walk the street. Man, there's still time. I'm I'm about to be two years home Amen. where I didn't know how to drive before I went to prison. I had to learn how to drive to the state that I moved okay. because there ain't nowhere to get around. There ain't New York City. There ain't no. Uber, Uber train over there. So um, learning how to drive was a challenge for me. And just being able to drive and sit in my own car it's like a blessing, yeah, you know, yeah, being able yeah. to be around my brother, seeing my niece be born. I'm I'm just blessed. I would say it like this, Omar, I'll put it like this. I will not give my hardest day out here mm -hmm. for my best day in prison. That's a fact. That's a fact. So, Amen to that. I'm blessed with everything, Omar. I'm blessed with being able to breathe. I'm blessed with being able to contact with people, continue my education, Amen. even though... And you know, work two jobs. It's a battle, but it's these struggles that I will not get for, like I tell you, man, being able to watch TV all day or work all day in the yard. Well, well, that's 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 hands down the truth you're talking. You spin facts right now, man. So I know I, I you know, I, I follow you on your on your Instagram and, and and your Facebook. I know you're affiliated with organizations. What other organizations are you affiliated with? Well, right now, um, in my college, I go to a community college. I'm the president of um, the club called Rice and Scholar. It's okay, um, cool. a club that we have for people that have been system impact, you know, understand? Mm. So they can have a place in the college and basically open doors and also connect them when they decide to go from city college to universities. Um, I'm also involved in Initiate Justice. Initiate Justice basically... Not too long ago, they pushed the bill that out here in California, people that been incarcerated on parole could vote now. Ooh, understand? So basically, in, Initiate Justice is um, an organization that's trying to end prison and the whole prison system. So abolish it. Abolish it. Not make it change, not no. change prison's name, not turn it around, not um, reform it. We need to end it because this system was built on racism exactly. as you have said in your podcast this system was built to catch slaves so fact. this system will never be good however we change it because in the core it was evil that's a fact and it never been equal <laughs> the court yes. was evil and it's never been equal that's a whole fact so you so you said you got two jobs you got you going to college which is a blessing um you are affiliated with two different organizations so these are the things you're doing to stay out of prison, which is a beautiful thing. And I, you know, I, I, you know, I let you know that because, man, we've been spent too much time in this behind these walls, and with with that understanding that it's beautiful outside. Like even in New York, you know, you may not have the most, but you know, just being able, like you said, to go watch TV, enjoy your freedom, work, whatever you decide to do, long as it isn't nothing negative, you know. So that's what you're doing to stay out of prison. You got a full schedule, which is a, a beautiful thing. So what are what are some of the accomplishments would you like to accomplish? Like uh during, you know, now or in, within a year? 
within a year I want to have my own place Amen. but my biggest goal is to definitely Omar fight the system by two and things so right now um I won't be able to transfer to a university to 2023 but that gives me time to get two associate degree instead mm. of one mm. and then my goal is to go all the way to my PhD in sociology so I could do field works on things that people have really not touched about how the system is so um against women but so much also about how it affects women but how it affects our whole community mm. when we are taken out you understand how it affect that cousin that used to look up to you that you didn't know but it affected his whole life that you was in part of it that every time he sees you in pictures or he sees or every time he talk about you or he sees you in picture so i basically want to get my phd in sociology so i could do field work on the things that people ain't doing for work how it affects the whole community financially when you take one of the members of communities out and put them in a place where they're now not getting um they not being they not building their community because even though when people are still living a life of crime and they work on legal those taxes go into that community now when we in prison we are seen as we part of the county where we are held as prison and they get those votes they get those things they get those help where our communities are being drained out of it so these are the things that i want to go in when i do get my um phd in sociology mm, that's dope man that's 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 a way to give back man uh you know i i look for ways too of giving back man because we then took so much from our communities now it's time to give back you know and that's that's a beautiful thing you, you over there in Cali doing it, you know, it don't matter. It may not be your community. There's so much community. Regardless to, to whoever it is, you're making it better for other people that come behind you and for the people that live there, which is an awesome thing. So I com- I commend you on that, man. That's a that's what we're supposed to be doing, man. And just continue to do what you do with, with the school and thing, man. I'm proud of you. You know, you come a long way, man. So, you know... It's just, uh, I got one more, I got one question, this one, and I got the following question, uh, this one is a little more deeper, the, the, this one right here is just, you know, um, promote yourself, like, market yourself, like, you know, you can give your Instagram page, you can give, uh, you know, uh, Facebook, whatever, you know, just, just, you know. Well, you can find me on Instagram, and if anything you want to talk about, you, you know, like I was doing in there, if you need prayer, just drop a message, man, and I'll pray for you, for your family. And basically, my name on Instagram is Marvin for Christ because I was Marvin for the wrong thing, you know what I mean? And the same way that I was Marvin for the colors, Marvin for my neighborhood, that's what I'm doing for Christ now. So that's where that name comes from. And basically, um, let's start changing the system. If you could picture the world without prison, what would it look like? Mm. Message me. Let me know because, yes. It'll be crazy to have the world without prison in the system that we have right now. So we got to change the whole system. You understand? And if you want to have these strong conversations, just hit me up because basically this is what I'm doing because I ain't going to be able to do it by myself. This system wasn't built by my by one person. So it's going to take more than one person to change it or destroy it. And, you know, we might not see it in our lifetime. But people that fought racism and got rid of it, even though we know it just changes to something else, but they still made it change. And when we push, we make the system change. And even if it changed to another animal, 
the truth starts showing and they can see the monster that's hidden behind these beautiful faces that be smiling at us. Mm, that's deep right there, man. That's deep. They, I, I don't know if they're ready for that conversation, Andy. I don't know, <laughs> man. So, so this is a final question, man. What would you tell the children not to do if they were to go down the same lane you went down? What, what, what advice would you give the kids, man? That's that's all under us. That that think this street life is the life to be living. They listen to this music. They they think this. Uh, they got to be gangsters so people can respect them. They end up doing all type of silly shit, man. If you if you had something to leave off with the kids, man, uh, what would you tell them? That. That life is death. And that when they tell you that Jack Matt tastes like chicken, it don't taste like chicken, bro. <laughs> These are things that we do in there, man, to be able to pass the time, man. But what I can tell you is don't lose your dream. Don't lose yourself because you're going to be judged no matter what way you choose. But mm. be who you are called to be because everybody in this world has a purpose, has a reason why they're here. And fulfill your purpose, man. Enjoy yourself, enjoy your family. Yes, I know that life ain't great and that things are not perfect, but strive for who you want to be and just treat others how you want to be treated. If you don't like something, don't do it to somebody else because they definitely ain't going to like it either. That's a fact. That's a fact, man. Yo, I really appreciate that, man. Um, Like I said, man, I'm proud of you, man. Uh, Just keep working. Keep doing what you're doing. You're going to get what you want. You know, God blesses his children, man. He's not going to leave you or forsake you. Just got to put your trust in him and he just stay focused, man. Uh, you know, like I said, it's going to be distractions. You know, the thing about the devil, he alive, man. He, he'll mess with you right now so you can stay focused on, 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 not stay focused on right now, but you're worried about the next thing to come so you can't enjoy that right now. You know what I'm saying? And that's the thing about us. We can't, we got to enjoy right now. Like, whatever's got going on right now, just... Because we don't know what tomorrow brings, you know. But, you know, when tomorrow do come, when we do cross that, we know what it is then. But we just got to focus right now, man. Because the, the devil will keep you, for un, he'll keep you unbalanced and you to, to where you be focusing on a lot of shit and you miss these blessings that's coming. You know, you know, so I just try to stay prayed up. I stay covered in the blood of Christ. I just, you know, at the end of the day, you know, pray is a tool. I use it, and I and, and I know you do use it too, man. Cause that 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 makes it makes it makes things happen. Prayer, you know. And before we leave, that's what I want to say. That everything that I have accomplished or done is because of my connection with God. Amen. I stayed, I stayed doing stuff in the community. I, you know, I don't like bragging myself no, because. No, brag, brag. Yeah, because we show not to talk about the good things we there do. No, you know? talk about the good things. But I still stay involved in my church, still talk to people, mm-hmm. and still stay connected to, you know, faithful, believing people, but also remember what Christ taught me. That is to love everybody, you know? He told me to see their color, to see their gender, to see who they sleep with, to see what they're going through, but to love them. And that's all I'm called to do. Everything else besides mm-hmm. that, that's on God's hand, you know? Mm-hmm. Sometimes people are so legalistic about what this person is doing, what they're doing. Stop seeing what's in the outside because that's what the enemy puts you to see. But see what that person could be. And and if you plant that little seed, that little seed of love, how it could grow. Because you know what? Those evil people that you look at, I was one of them. And that was because I was trying to find love in all the wrong places. That's what I'm God. Yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact. 
that's a whole fact, man. I, you know, I, I, I agree with that, man. And I, and I'm gonna end it on, I'm gonna end it on that note, man. That was a beautiful, way, beautiful way to end it. Uh, and that's my segue, man. I would like to say thanks to everyone who is listening to my podcast. Thanks to every organization that ha- that had helped me change my perspective in life. A quick shout out to Osborne, AVP, Pace, Defy Network, NYU's Prison Education Program, PEP, Thrive for Life Prison Pro- Project. And remember, no one wants to do time, but we all need time. Let that sink in. Food for thought. Good night, peace and blessings, and I'm gone.